Rehab Confidential is brought to you by Work at Health. Can't afford rehab but need help staying sober? Well, Work at Health provides online therapy for addiction nationwide and telemedicine alcohol detox and suboxone treatment in California, Michigan, Washington, New Jersey, and Alaska. Major health plans like Aetna are accepted in some states. Don't do it alone. Get recovery help on your phone. Download the Work at Health app for iOS or Android to get started today or visit workathealth.com slash rehab to get more information or check your coverage. Go. This is Ooh. Rehab oh, Confidential. Oh, sorry. Frank and Amy Dresser. <laughs> oh, my God. We're peeling back the layers of the rehab industrial complex. So, let's get into it. You want to get into it? Come on. Take the gloves off. Let's get into it. This is Joe Frank. Welcome to Rehab Confidential. And I'm Amy Dresner. Hi, Amy Dresner. So Hi, you know what? Joe we don't Frank. really have we don't have time for a lot of frivolity and banter. <laughs> I, we have to get right into this because we we never seem to get to our topic. So last week we missed our alcoholic who has contributed to the culture. Uh-huh. Um, which is disappointing because I really like that. I think it's important. Yeah, I think I don't, it's important. I, I think yeah, I don't think uh, we need to all feel like losers who are just in jail and not welcome to Christmas dinner. Um, although the alcoholic that I've chose this week seems to not have been welcome at Christmas dinner, uh, <laughs> which is unfortunate. And I think he was a he was a deeply flawed person. He um, are we all? We are. We, we are. He he abandoned his wife and children. Which I'm not exactly sure the story about that, but that didn't sound good at all. No. But on the upside, Graham Greene did win the Nobel Prize in Literature. Wow. Which is a pretty impressive thing. It absolutely um, is. He grappled with his Catholic faith his entire life. A lot of his writing is about that kind of struggling with the idea of God, of, you know, larger issues that we mm-hmm. all face. He was awarded the award of merit and a companion of honor by the queen, which I have no idea what any of that means. What is that? I don't sound like he's a companion of honor to me if he fucking left his <laughs> wife and children. Well, well right. I disagree I mean, with the queen on that one. Well, right, I mean, but what does it mean? abandonment issues, but that's shitty. Uh, it's Sorry. really shitty, and I don't know the circumstances um, of that. I'm sure there's a deep story. Well, I'm sure, I mean, yeah. It's like, um, and I don't think that it's justified. Look, you sign when you become a parent, you sign on for it. Um, yeah, you, you got to stick that out. Yeah. So, uh, I want to be a companion of honor for the queen. What is that? What, do you think you get to go no to the palace? I have no idea. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> you really do care. They're not going to let you in with your shorts and your fucking t-shirts. Okay. And your fucking bands. Sorry. You'll have to You know, it's really up. funny though. What's sad about that is that I, you know, I've spent a lot of time in London and I always wanted to be tall. I know. And thin well, with, you're tall. Like, well, right, but I wanted to, I always wanted one of those, like, very tailored, fitted Paul Smith suits. Yeah, that's you not, know? you'll never fit into a Paul Smith suit. You just don't have that build. No, no, not yeah. in a million trillion years. Yeah, no, you could be anorexic and you will not fit into a Paul Smith suit. You just don't. Yeah, you're, 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 right. you're a big bone dude. You're big. I get you're it. Big. But I, you know, but I just indulge my fantasy that I'm in a Paul Smith okay, suit and okay. I'm a companion right. of honor and I'm going to see the queen. There we go. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, he did seem to have some understanding of the third step of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think that because he wrote, you cannot conceive and nor can I of the appalling strangeness of the mercy of God. And God, that creeps uh, me out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it would for some people. We're, we're going to get to that. There's oh, another. That creeps me out. But look, if you are new and you are trying to build pathways in your brain, Give Graham Greene a read. It's not going to yeah, hurt. Yeah, but I mean, like, like Jews and, st- like, merciful. Like, that's, like, a whole Catholic Christian thing. Like, you know, Hindus and Buddhists and Jews, there's not, like, mercy. Like, you're merciful towards other people, but there's not, like, this 
like sky daddy who's like i am going to be merciful to you like i mean i'm not like a religious mm-hmm. studies expert but i don't know no i understand that but you as a jew could take a class in theology and understand different takes and different people you don't have to you yeah, don't have to agree I, just, I don't know like that that stuff creeps i don't i mean having been you don't have to suddenly start doing the sign of the cross Oh, I already had to do that in Catholic school when I was 11. Yes. You know what we used to say for the sign of the cross? We used to say spectacles, testicle. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Say Say the rest of it. Spectacles, testicles. What was the rest? Well, it's from Monty Python. Oh my God. Wallet watch because they have like, cause in, you know, old in whatever 18th century England, they had their wallet in one side of their jacket and their watch on the other side. So it was spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So Graham Greene, whatever, read it. It's interesting. Okay. No, um, and look, he's an alcoholic. He won the Nobel Prize in literature. Which is pretty fucking yay, dope, right? Yay for us! Yay, yeah, for, yay for us! Yay for us, loadies. Yep. So here's the next item. We hear a lot about politicians taking money from big pharma, but we do we hear about them taking money from alcohol? Have you ever heard? No. I looked it up, and does this taking money for uh, political campaigns does that drive policy? I'm guessing it would. Of course. And the person who took the most money in the last campaign cycle would probably surprise you. Can you guess who it is? No. Bernie Sanders. (gasps) He took half a million dollars from various entities of Distilled Spirits Beer Wine, the Distilled Spirits Council, various lobbying groups. I was frankly, I was shocked because he is very vocal about the legalization of cannabis, which is actually contrary to the interest of alcohol. Alcohol wants to have their monopoly on legal intoxication. So right. they don't, they, they want to continue to vilify cannabis. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell, um, Senate leader Mitch McConnell takes a tremendous amount of money. That makes sense because he's from Kentucky and basically they can fuck their cousins. They can distill bourbon and they can collect welfare. That's that. Are, those are the a general bit of a stereotype, but okay. Uh, but for a reason, if you look at the data, uh, basically the industry of Kentucky is, well, there's the Kentucky Derby. So there's some equine stuff, but it's bourbon. That's what they do there. So that anyway, made sense. So, but, but, okay, talk about why. So this guy's pushing for bars in California to stay open till four in the morning. Well, that's a whole other story. Oh, and I don't, I I don't want to, I don't want to shit talk him because I still have hope that he's going to come on. Oops. I'll shit talk him when his press person denies our interview request. But I just think it's one of those things. Like we talk about, okay, big pharma, big pharma, big pharma, big pharma. Well, it would be nice uh, if, 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 if the spirits lobby would give some money towards, you know, scholarshiping people to. Wouldn't rehab, that be nice? And, and I did talk to them about this. Or, you know, detox, because, you know, that is, it's that and benzos are the only two detoxes that can actually kill you. Kill you. Correct. I talked to the still spirits lobby. Chris Swanger is his name, and he's mulling it over if he will come on our podcast. He did ask me if you would be nice to him. And I said, why me? Well, yeah. Why does he even, what does he even know me? I don't know. Cause I sent him a link and I said, look, we want to talk to you about You're the, the distilled mean spirit. One, not me. No, I know. I don't know why, but I'm just it's telling you what that he, he said. Thought I, that I wouldn't be nice. Did he read my book or something? Maybe he read your book. I think maybe he was just sort of scared in general about the whole idea of it he was actually he was he was like okay i'm going to talk to my people about it it's interesting it's an interesting idea I'm what totally i said was nice. you're the dick i know i get it <laughs> and maybe he'll learn that what i said was <laughs> right, you promised him that i'll be nice then you come over and fucking just totally decimate him i told him we kind of want the same thing we're an unlikely alliance 
that eight to 10% of the people cannot safely consume his product. Those aren't his customers. Correct. That the college kids who drink themselves to death, those aren't his customers. Right. So let's collaborate with the recovery community. Correct. We can take care of those people. You can safely sell your product to whoever can safely consume your product. He kind of liked this idea. He didn't know that 88,000 people a year drank himself, themselves to death, which I found shocking. Oh, he wow. didn't know that 1,800 college kids a year die yeah, drinking might, his yeah, product. Well, I'm sure he doesn't want to know that stuff either. You know? He doesn't. Well, no. I mean, and look, I get it. The guy's got a job to do. The job is to sell alcohol. The job is to not. But there is more to it than that. And there's also, in my view, a moral imperative to collaborate with people like uh, the recovery community to take care of the people who can't consume their product. It was interesting. He said, I, I do get, I understand what you're saying. I'm a type one diabetic. And I said, and we're not that looking to criminalize candy at 7-Eleven. The onus of not eating candy right. is on you. The onus of not drinking your product is on the individual. Yeah. What yeah. we want is a better. And I kind of said, you know, I didn't say, Hey, look, let me be your liaison to the recovery community, but I would. And he, you said, let me be your companion of honor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's you know what's interesting is the distilled spirits lobby gave. Will you be my companion of honor, Joe? I think I am your companion of honor. <laughs> right, right. So the distilled spirits lobby gave four million dollars to political campaigns last wow. year. What did what did the Karen Foundation, Betty Ford? What did the recovery community give to influence policy? I'm going to go with zero. Right. So we have a David Goliath battle on our hands for interesting. policy. Interesting. It's really interesting. And you know what else is fascinating is you know who else is really interested in this is the corn lobby. Like people from corn well, yeah. states. I know, but I didn't really put two and two together. Yeah, so Joni Ernst, Joni Ernst has, I mean... I guess it's Midwestern mom hair. It looks like lesbian hair to me. Oh, my God. But in any event, <laughs> Joni Ernst, the mm -hmm. senator from Iowa, takes a shit ton of money from the corn and the distilled spirits lobby. So. Well, yeah, whiskey is made from corn. Hi. I get it. I understand. God, whiskey made me insane. Holy shit. But why, what do you think? Tell me your thought on why. We crawl up the ass of pharma, but not alcohol. I think part of it is because the opioid epidemic was so gnarly. And so, you know what I mean? Uh, so many people fucking died so quickly. That people just totally I, I agree. Totally, I, people, uh, totally people flipped out. I mean, people die of alcoholism all the time, but it's going to be a slower burn unless you like you know like crash into an, you know yeah. into, a, a, into a pole or something it's going to take a while for you to give yourself you know cirrhosis but you can you know it's really quick to overdose um i think that the alcohol industry has also been like drink responsibly but that's impossible for fucking alcoholics so that's just the most stupidest thing ever well it's also just trivializing i mean the other thing that they I do is they talk the about, big pharma, they lied about their studies they lied about like, okay. they lied about how addictive it was how long it lasted how you know that kind of stuff and that really really made people crazy and a lot of doctors alcohol, made a shit ton of money on right. fucking drug addicts and writing scripts and we you know we created a lot of people who didn't know you know who had pain injuries you know or i mean who had you know who had injuries and then had, you know went on a pain medication and all of a sudden they had a fucking addiction not everybody i mean like yeah. i said my mom's an ex is a recovering alcoholic and she's was fucking fine with it it's like and so was i with oxy i mean i abused it but then i titrated off it with no problem mm. but mm. like now i'm gonna quit vaping because i'm having tingles everywhere and it's not just because i'm talking to you i feel tingly everywhere and i looked it up and either i'm having ms or i'm actually have it can be a it can be too much nicotine like pins and maybe and you're tingling. having a over i mean maybe there's just a too high a level of nicotine yeah but everyone's yeah. like well can you titrate down i'm like <laughs> if i can yeah. titrate down off anything like hello no i have to quit cold turkey so enjoy right. talking to me for the next three days to three months can't wait 
Um, it's going to be fun. Anyway, we only have a couple but, more minutes. To I know we only have a couple more minutes, but let I me just finish talk this about thought. The revival shit. Yes, but let me just finish this thought. Alcohol kills 88,000 people a year or 60,000 a year to overdoses. Alcohol has done this in for year after year after year for decades. Because I don't know. It's involved I don't, I mean, with celebration. It's part of the social culture. There's booze porn. It's legal. It's different. We still have a different view on it. Alcohol may I'm be crazier saying, than any fucking I get it. I'm drug. not saying, I am not a prohibitionist. I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm saying that people need informed consent. Yes, the pharma industry lied. So does alcohol. If they didn't lie, it would say causes stupidity in young men, increases sexual assault. Uh, yeah, there's a million right. different byproducts. There right. would be a picture of a cirrhotic liver on a bottle of vodka. None right. of it happens. It has a wealth amassing, well, consequence-free like industry, and I don't think that it's right. I think that I absolutely think we're chasing the wrong thing. All of the efforts to get people to not smoke weed versus the efforts to get people to not drink. Drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. Sound advice. But that presumes that the only thing that can go wrong is that you drive under the influence. It doesn't right, but it was take the into cancer society else. that was doing those creepy ads where people were smoking out of that fucking hole in their throat. It wasn't cigarettes. So we're like, hey, this is what it can do to you. I, I get it. They're Look, not going to fucking advertise against I their own product. They're going to be like show no, hot bitches I, in bikinis and being like, yeah, right. Corona time, like with like droplets of water no, on their right. fucking you're tits right. and shit. You know, you're 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 you are correct. You are correct. What I think is that the onus oh God, of that, that is on the, the only time I'll ever hear that. Oh, the correct the recovery again, community. You're you are correct about oh. that. The only the recovery community. We need a lobby. I right. agree with you. I totally agree with you. We need a lobby. Stop talking about us. Start talking to us. We need a lobby to say, look, we have to think of this in another way. We have to deliver our own messaging. We have Completely to. Completely agree with you. Okay. So that's basically, yeah, I don't think alcohol is going to do shit. Why would they? No. Okay. They're not going to be Let's... like, hey, don't buy our product because it can fucking make you punch a baby in the face. Like, it's not going to fucking do that. Let's go to the next thing here before we run out of time. I called this crack kills Jesus saves. Oh, God. What do you think, what do we think about this brand of recovery? The story was about basically like Southern tent revivals. Mm. It, it's called Accept Christ at a Central Georgia yeah. Awakening yeah. that treats ejection. So they throw up a tent in the middle of, I don't know, mm. Booger Junction, Georgia, and they lay on hands and they pray. What, what are your... I know, I know okay, you're a well, Jew. First of all, I know. I, there, is a, there is a documentary, and I forget the name, about a guy who was a young tent revivalist minister when he was like three years old on. And he talks about how much uh -huh. bullshit it is and how much money he makes and how it was all showmanship. Number one. Number two, I don't like the idea that they're like, and we, you know, even invite drug addicts and alcoholics to come forward. Like, like that's some weird sin thing. You know what I mean? That it's that like, it's like yeah, it's like, like a moral It's like issue. adulterers. Like I get that they're also like if you have, you know, if you, you know, have a bad foot or if you have cancer, like come on. But I also I mean there is faith-based recovery, so it works for people. There is something very powerful to ritual, which, you know, yeah. your mind, so if your mind believes it works, then then, you know, your mind doesn't right. your I I mean I've studied this, which is like if you do a ritual, your mind's like, well, she can't be this stupid to be doing this. It must have some effect. You know what I mean? That's why it's like lighting a candle or whatever, doing that kind of stuff. It's not that it really like brings your lost love back or whatever, but it actually calms your anxiety down that you think that you're doing something. You have power over something that you not, might not have power over. I, I, again, if you... I'm down with whatever works for people. As a half-breed Jew, that shit freaks me out. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, it, it, like, Jesus freaks me out. Like, Jesus freaks you know, you out. revivalism <laughs> shit freaks me out. Like, yeah. it looks like yeah, people yeah. are having seizures. Yeah. I have epilepsy. Like, the whole thing fucking freaks me the fuck out. Well, I mean, but here's the thing is it's not my taste either, and I don't want to participate. I'm not going to, like, leave my protocol for staying but sober also, and addressing my medical mental health condition about dopamine i don't see how 
you know, yeah. some fucking rich guy like who says, in the name of Jesus, you are healed, is going to like all of a sudden shift everything for you. I mean, if it does, great. Right. But right. I mean, I had an exorcism. I really? had a fucking shaman work on. Yes. Hmm. And it did not fucking work. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I yet. feel like all religion is substantively crazy, right? And yeah, but you're Catholic and you're into all that shit. No, I know, that? but I'm not saying. Well, look, Catholics are crazy. Are you kidding? <laughs> we believe a virgin gave birth to God. What's yeah? There's no way to defend that as not crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can you can critique Scientologists. You can say you can make you can roll your eyes at Mormons. You know, oh really? Jesus is coming to Missouri, but you can't say that and believe that a virgin gave birth to God, right? So it's all fucking nuts. There's no other way. But I argue that the idea of AA is also in that vein of an act of providence is going to remove your addiction, right? That, that God is going to do it. Whether, right. it, look, whether it could be you are, we've had doctors talk about dopamine levels. Right. You've written extensively about the scientific nature of it. Right. What I think is that the Jesuit faction of Catholicism would say that scientific inquiry and discovery is a gift from God. So it isn't mutually exclusive. Okay. At the same time, if people want to sweat their balls off in a tent in Georgia and they think they're doing something, I don't really have any objections to it. Right. I don't want to go. That's right. for shit. Sure. Um, um, our guest is here. She's there. Okay, so we have, have to stop. Do you have a watch? Do you have a clock? Do you ever look at the time? No. Okay, I'm going to buy you a Can watch. Can I just tell one funny Jesus no, story? No, she's no here. Jesus. Okay. No. Oh. Okay. Next time. Okay. Um, our guest is a very good friend of mine. She was instrumental in helping me through uh, my, my father's cancer uh, treatment. Like, literally was the only person that could calm me down and walk me through that whole thing. Uh, Tracy Dunn is a national interventionist and addiction coach. She's a group facilitator at a slew of prestigious rehabs that will remain unnamed. <laughs> She's the daughter of professional golfer Roger Dunn of the famed chain Roger Dunn Golf Stores, and she's also a codependency coach. She's sort of like the Sergeant Gunnery Hartman of, like, group facilitators. And... Uh, Tracy, you there? I am. How are you? Hi, honey. <laughs> hey, Tracy. How are you? Nice I'm to meet good. you. I'm good. How are you? I was I was listening to your conversation, and I, you know, I love love to hear about just the all the different bullshit that we go through to believe whatever we believe. So, <laughs> well, that's a whole other. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I I personally find faith based recovery to be a valid thing for some people. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any. You know, I've seen people be successful with it at the same time. Like the I've pillow heard, guy. <laughs> like the pillow guy. But I've heard a lot of dudes be like, well, I've accepted Jesus. And I'm like, well, Jesus is doing a shit job because you're still sucking the glass dick over there. So let's not, let's not, let's, let's not go crazy with Jesus. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Jesus wants you to do some of the work too. So yes, anyway, look, I don't thing. think that there's ever any easy answers, but that's a very interesting question. I, I think. Yeah, I get I get into a lot of trouble with all of that. So why, I, Tracy? Tell us. What's your What's your take, Tracy? You know, with the groups that I do, and I do a lot of them. The first thing that we have to kind of establish is that we're going to call a spade a spade. We're not going to call a pimp a talent scout, and that's kind of <laughs> what goes on. You know, right. So if we don't right away get down to the fact that this has to be a transparent group, then I can't work. So I don't know. It, it, go, it takes on a life of its own when you just start asking powerful questions, which is really what coaching is about. <laughs> How so? Like what? Can you give us an example of one of the questions that would come up? God, there's a ton of them. I mean, we deal with, um, like for codependency, there's, um, there's just, I, I don't know. I ask a lot of questions about what's underneath whatever behavior is going on. I'll ask a lot about messages, like the messages that a lot of people get in their family systems. I mean, we talk about 
a ton of shit. So, I mean, there's questions. I don't have like a set bunch of them. They just come out when they come out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, look, I think that one of the biggest things that I have seen in my career that's overlooked is the addiction to addicts. And, you know, the, the idea of codependency, like I hear it a lot. I hear it a lot from, and I, I shouldn't vilify women, but I hear it a lot from women about, <laughs> oh, he's a fucking asshole. And oh, he this, and oh, he that. And it's like, you know, what's, you know, what's crazier than a cocaine addict dating and then marrying one. That's actually a deeper level of pathology than being one. And so I think that saying those hard truths, whether it's to family members or whether it's to addicts uh, or the identified patient is a very hard thing. Well, actually, it's not a hard thing to do. I think it's hard to hear. Codependency is probably the number one source of relapse with addiction that I have been aware of. I was working with the man that wrote the program, Codependence Anonymous, and I worked with him for a long time. He taught me a lot about the, the stuff that um, keeps the kind of the stuff you're talking about, the trauma bond where people just oh. get connected with trauma. Oh. Then they get married and they think, you know, let's go have a baby and it's all going to be awesome. And Well, maybe they'll love Jesus. I was like, you know, uh, I asked, uh, Amy, how come you never see like like you, Jews aren't as vocal? You never see honk if you love Moses, <laughs> right? Like no, you I'm, never I see. There's not, not a lot of no. flag waving. Oh my god, we can have a lot of fun. I get into a lot of trouble. I've been fired over, you know, kind of wrestling with a a girl that wanted to, you know, she was, you know, given happy endings in Vegas and telling me that the love of Jesus was going to fucking fix it. And we had a hard time. So I got in trouble with that one. I remember I got, I got asked to leave with that one. (laughs) Wait, you got asked to leave from the treatment facility. Yeah. I've been let go before because for me, it's about saving lives. And when they, when they hire me, they hire my brand. And my brand is that I do what you don't want to do. So sometimes, most of the time they back me, but every once in a while, I'll start right. seeing, I'll start seeing the clients are getting into trouble and they're not getting cared for because the focus on that treatment center is about cash. There and we that's where we have a problem. Right. So they back you unless it's a self pay client who needs to be there for a year and their family has the resources to do that. If I make that client angry and their cash pay, you bet your ass one of us is going to go. Which one do you think it'll be? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who's going to go. Right. So right. For, for now, I have to work with reputable treatment centers where care is more important than anything. I get into trouble with psychiatrists, with the amount of meds that these people are on. Um, there's just a bunch of stuff and it's a business, bottom line. It is a business. Um, what do you think is what do you think is wrong in the business? I mean, there's obviously we've all read about the insurance fraud. We've read about the you know the scummy brokering. nature, body brokering, the incredibly low rates of recovery, and the incredibly low rates of success. What would you change? What is um, in your in, view? What would improve some, all in that? In some respects. I mean, when, when, whenever a client comes in, they receive a treatment team and that team of people is usually a balance of say their therapist, who's their advocate at all times. And then they get their case manager who did it and they get all these different people involved. And I think where I get pissed and I, and I really work with my clients is fight for your own recovery. You're an adult. If you don't want to be on 10 medications, because some guy who's got like 50 people going through his office every hour in addiction tells you to, then knock it off. It, you know, I just believe Sarah Quill is not the answer to everything. Oh. It's, the no. answer, it's the answer to getting fat and eating a lot of sugar. I do that anyway. I, yeah, no, I don't. I don't need. I don't need Seroquel for that. I have an organic ability to to do. No, but I mean, that's, you know, I look, mean to put heavy, with I mean, that said, to put addicts on heavy antipsychotics like that is like. I mean, that's that's relatively new, and I think 
you know, vi- mm-hmm. like everyone's on fucking Seroquel and Vilify and that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you can't sleep. Well, you've been a fucking junkie for 20 years and like your brain's going to take some time to fucking chill out. You know what I mean? Like, okay. So like, you I come in and you've got restless legs. We're going to give you two medications for that. And you have anxiety. We're going to give you some gabapentin. Then on top mm-hmm. of it, we're going to give you some of this and that. And we know you can't sleep. So here's some trazodone. By the time this person tries to fucking sit up in the morning just to get to their first group, it's impossible. And these, right. you know, it just takes time. We can't tell who's psychotic and who's just new until they work the steps and have some time to clear. What if they don't want to work the steps? Well, they don't like me very much at that point. <laughs> because I right, but not everybody. Through. Look, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't think that over-medicating is the answer. With that said, their medication, in my view, absolutely has a place in yes. recovery. You know, yes. I think that responsible uh, medicating is probably more of what we need. It can't be the binary medication or no medication, but there are a significant number of people out there who are not interested in working the steps. True. And that's okay so, too. But so what, where do they go? What, what happens to those folks? So my job in there is to help them find their truth. I don't give a crap if you're going to do Buddha or if you're going to go to church again or if you're just going to meditate or you're going to go to YouTube or whatever. I I just want to help them find whatever they need so that alcohol and drugs are not the most powerful thing in their life. That is a fair point. I think that of the 9,000 treatment facilities in the country, how many of them do not browbeat people with AA? Ooh, you know, <laughs> I, I just, ooh. I, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I mean, call me a browbeater, man. I'm old school. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I just give them what worked for me, which is, right. you know, if you're full of shit, then let's talk about that. But right. for the people that, but <laughs> you right. get the Malibu. Right. I get some people from Malibu. I get to, I get all kinds, and they're they've been traveling and doing the circuit, and you know, I don't know. If you think that that doing kind of a whirlpool with a little Valium and some sleep is going to get you back on track, and you're not going to be shooting heroin anymore, then shit, mm. howdy. <laughs> I, look, I don't necessarily look. I think that it's a tough thing, and it requires you know they that that people have to be told hard truths. <laughs> wait <a minute>. You know. <laughs> okay, wait. So can you just say that one more time? Because I don't think I heard that right. Tell me again. That people, it's a tough thing, and people have to be told hard truths. Oh yes, yes. I totally you know. agree. But each person is different. So you have to meet them where they're standing. And, right. and sometimes it's just not going to work to look at them and go, hey, but, you know, I mean, I can't I just, you have to. Right. Yeah. But what I'm asking, I guess, is that, and, and Amy, you've been suspiciously quiet during this, but what I'm asking is. Well, you guys are like the two, it's like three big mouths. I mean, it's yeah, not going to be. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, I'd I, love to I, talk. I, I mean, I've got I, some thoughts. I'm all, okay, well, hang on. I'm, I'm all a professional for, client. I'm all for AA. I, I believe in AA. I follow AA. As a clinical social worker, I don't have the luxury of, of a treatment plan that is actually a 12-step call. Right. So uh, what I'm guessing, what I'm, I'm asking, and um, I'm not asking you specifically, but just sort of generally within an industry, and we've established that it is a business, for people who are A, not interested, or B, not responsive, to the 12 step tenets or the culture, what do they do? And, you know, I hear it all the time. They can go to this, they can go to that. We support multiple pathways, but every fucking treatment center is an AA indoctrination camp. Like they aren't really anything other than that. And so I wonder, well, what are we doing as an industry? I mean, if we're making any meaningful or measurable progress, why the body count? Why are there so many people that don't do well? Well, I mean, this is, this is a, a, fa- a fatal thing. It's, the drugs are a lot different now than they were when I got clean. You got people that are going down with one hit of 
fentanyl or whatever. And I mean, it, it's, there's no way for us to even know. I don't know. I've asked myself that question of, you know, why isn't there a better percentage of people that are not dying? Right. Um, yes, we have a lot to change within the industry of, of drug addiction, alcoholism treatment. Um, I just am one of those people that believe that spirituality has a whole lot to do with it. So I don't know. Right. And codependency. Well, I mean, for I me, agree with you on the codependency. Um, okay. I want to say a couple things. Number one is regarding all the medication, you know, you can't get a baseline on anybody when they're fucking new. Everyone's fucking bananas when they're new. Everyone appears bipolar, borderline, fucking psychotic. You know what I mean? Especially <laughs> coming out of a meth psychosis. Like you can't get a fucking base on someone who's fucking not, you know, hasn't been sober for a little while. Right. Everyone's crazy when they're fucking new. And it's like, so to, to diagnose someone, and I understand that they have to diagnose someone to get money from the insurance company and whatever, <laughs> but to diagnose someone when they're in a fucking detox or early on, very, very early in sobriety is crazy to me. And also there are DNA tests now where you can see which medications might work for someone and which ones won't. So instead of doing the, you know, which, which I've been on every single fucking medication there is, I've been through a zillion psychiatrists since I was fucking 21 years old. And it's just like, you know, they just threw stuff all against the wall. They're like, sorry, it's an art, not a science. Well, now it is, there is a science to it. And they can figure out what meds will work for you probably based on your DNA. Why aren't rehabs doing that? Let me tell you, I had a group yesterday where I had a group of women and I said to them, because they were all complaining. And I said, there is a test you can do with your DNA. Your psychiatrist should be able to provide it. You're, you know, it's paid for with your insurance. Well, my psychiatrist said I didn't need it. Oh, my God. Oh I've my got God. psychiatrists. Let me just tell you, in Newport Beach and out here in OC, I've got psych psychiatrists that just travel from place to place oh. to place to place. They're so no kidding. different than any one of us. It's a fucking mill. It's so sickening. It's so sickening. I mean, I have an enlarged liver, and I didn't drink that much, so I'm guessing it's from years and years of psych meds. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I but mean, it's like, I mean, that's just gross to me. That's just disgusting to me. I'm sorry. They I mean, are those making are money. Powerful drugs. I, yeah, I get it. But like, hi, isn't it like you have a doctor, like do no harm? Like that's harmful. And coming off some of those drugs is a bitch. Well, and we're talking about a cocktail for somebody's brain. Okay. This is no joke. So I have a son that has um, severe bipolar disorder and we went through a ton of stuff to find the right medication. Right. right. But, but yeah, when they, when they first walk in, Ooh. they're coming off of all kinds of shit. The first thing they do is load them up and, right. and they're all the same. The, the, there's right. only two psychiatrists out here and it's, they're both shitholes. Um, <laughs> sorry, you got like. A, Wait, a, there's a, only two psychiatrists. Where are you? No, I mean the addiction. There's a couple addiction uh, psychiatrists that a lot of these places use. Oh, and, I see. They use the same too. That right, doesn't mean that they're only. A, I got it. Okay. They've got like six different doctors in one thing, and it's just it's a shithole. But the dude seeing like someone every 15 minutes. What do you think he's making while these people are sitting here look, drooling in the corner? Just yeah. yeah, I saw a lot of people really over medicated in, yeah. in groups and like nodding off and all yeah. that kind of stuff or not being able to stay awake. And it's just like, how are you supposed to even really pay attention in groups if you're fucking that over medicated? And then they're thrown, you know, take then they come with a bag of 11 pills, you know, 11 different prescriptions to a fucking sober living and the sober living that's where they usually titrate off or the sober living goes, well, we don't want you on all these meds or we don't want, you know what I mean? I don't want you. See, but like I have a real issue with that. I think that sober living operators are not doctors. And I think that sober living oh. operators saying what medications you can or cannot be on is a felony. You can't practice medicine without a felony. What I think we're talking about here is the low standard of care that's applied yes. to people who have addiction. I feel like a lot of the problems that we have, in the community are because we criminalize uh, addiction and because we marginalize people who suffer from the malady, right? So we consider them to be low level humans. Oh, fuck it. We can have the shitty psychiatrist, fuck them, you know, yeah. whatever, no big deal. 15 minutes at a time. They're just going to end up in jail or dead anyway. 
And so I'm not sure yeah, that and they also I, make I don't money know. off fucking relapse. Let's be honest. They do. And they make money off of relapse. They and I agree with you, Amy. I mean, better. They make you money off you fucking coming back. Just yep. like the diet industry. They make oh, money off ooh, failure. Ooh. It is right? unfortunate. Then, but if if there was not a relapse, you know, thing going on, then none of these places would be open. None of them. Yeah, tell us yeah. about right. what's happening right now. You, you say that there's just been an influx and it's a lot of the pandemic. We have a lot of clients coming in from all over the country. And I mean, it's almost like it's our busy season. We're considered first responders. So for the lo longest time, I would go in and do all these groups face to face with no mask or whatever. So we have get on an average of each of my places is they're getting three to four people a day. Okay, that's a day. And these people and you are think coming that's the from pandemic? all over the country. We don't know them. You know, you, but what do you think the cause is the pandemic and the isolation? Because I know it's wreaking yes. havoc. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. So too. You can't you can't leave people, especially people like us, bored for very long or or just wandering around doing nothing or isolated no or yeah. just oh, like I, isolated I with financial yeah. fear, just in our apartments, yeah. just by ourselves. It's like, Ey. so what that does do is it leads a large percentage of clients to rehabs simply because they need a bed and a food card. So there, there lies another issue of, of us needing to turn them around while we have a very short amount of time to help them want to save their own lives. There's a lot. <laughs> I agree. I, look, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all in terms of, you know, especially with what you, your point, Amy, that I think it's very hard to get an accurate diagnosis about what somebody needs yes. when they're two days off the street, when they're two days off of you know, egregious substances, yeah. crystal or I mean, heroin or booze I mean, it for that matter. For me to be fucking, of course, you know. it takes a very long time to get an accurate diagnosis with. And I think that we are an unlikely collaboration with the medical community. I don't think we should be adversarial. I think we should raise the standard of care. We should lobby medical schools to have more extensive trainings for addiction. Absolutely. We should encourage psychiatrists to go into the specialty. There is a shortage of them. There's a shortage of psychiatrists in general, but there is certainly a shortage of psychiatrists who know and work well with people in recovery. Right. So I think that that is the issue more so than, you know, well, we're over-medicating. Probably but I think we're over-medicating because we don't really give a flying fuck about these people and we're just throwing meds at them to keep well, them quiet. Well, we're running them through a process. When they walk in the door, they have to go through intake and then they have to see their, you know, their therapist and they have to go to the psychiatrist and they get all, the, all these meds going. And I'll tell you, I'll have like maybe 40 women in a group. And if I went around and asked each one, they would each tell you, oh, I'm borderline. Oh, no, I'm manic depressive. Oh, I've got this rapid cycling. I mean, they've got so much shit. They don't even know who they are yet. No, they don't. And look, I think that there's that concept of, uh, you know, learned helplessness where people can't uh, identify themselves. They don't have an identity and they don't have a construct of their personality outside of their pathology. So they want to uh, wear that I, shit. I, I taught a course in that for 25 years. Hello. They want to wear that shit like a badge of honor. Like, well, maybe, yeah, but maybe you're right. a because functional you can person. manipulate people. You're, because you're you, very right. Because you, you right. get people to take care of you and you get people to do what you want. It's fucking power. You get to until people are over it. Well, I need, everybody comes in with a story. You know, you got three songs and two dances. Everybody's got one until it all comes down to the floor and we see who you really are. Then we really don't get much accomplished and that takes at least 30 days just to get them to where they're at least talking mm. you know i mean i just had two of them take off yesterday to go shoot dope in some you know hotel room romantic and body brokering <laughs> and you know we're gonna we're gonna be together and then uh -huh. you know and these how's are that people, going these are people yeah exactly these are people is it going kids, okay you know right no i this is the thing. I mean, I, I, I could not agree with you more is that, you know, and some, and I'll be very honest, some of them I like more than others, but I always think, well, there's somebody's, that's somebody's son, yes. you know, or somebody's daughter, yes. somebody's child. I don't have to like them all. I kind of do. I generally at least like them a little bit, but some of them, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely like, 
I just well, I, I want to tell them all my life more than other. But they are still somebody's child. They are still sick. They still deserve <laughs> to have a quality of care and a standard of care that is more than medication, medication, medication. They need they need the right medication, the right levels of medication. Well, yeah, I they, mean, there's an eighty percent comorbidity between mental illness and addiction. I mean, of course, you know what I mean. Like, I have fucking epilepsy and depression and whatever. So it's like I have to deal with that shit. But it's like, I want to hear more about the codependency because she was the first one to really call me out on that shit where I was like, I'm a love addict. She's like, no, you're really a codependent. I was like, oh, and it was like what I what I see happening and what she pointed out to me is that certain men do this push pull thing and what it creates is the exact same intermittent reinforcement that fucking gambling addicts get. It's the same and and the same thing you got with your mom. I mean, it was a, it was a come here, go away, come here, yeah. go away. And so I'm like, but it's like, I get a fucking hit when they text and then they disappear and I never know what's wrong. It never is. And then I'm, I, I'm like, is it me? What did I do wrong? Right. Hello? Blah, blah, blah. It's exactly like my mom, but it's like, you know, that dope that, you know, you get that dopamine rush. Oh, maybe I'll get a response this time. Do I get a response? Oh, look, I got a little crumb. My little guy crumb. Yeah. Oh no, now I got nothing. I got nothing. Like, and it's like, it's the way that push pull yeah. is the way to create obsession and intermittent reinforcement <laughs> is the way gambling addicts get hooked. It's gnarly. There are five Joe's, Joe, Joe just several, likes to make pasta. He doesn't give a shit about dating. There's several dating? <laughs> but with codependency, we use people as our fantasy fuel. Oh. So what happens is it's not like gambling. We go in and we go to the casino and we're doing our thing. But with, with the other fantasy addictions like sex addiction and food addiction, yeah. codependency, we will use people and we get our worth, value, safety, happiness, identity, and well-being from other people. And the minute Ugh. we do, then we will compulsively begin depending upon them. Ugh. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I have it. I have it. If, oh, I start, I, oh. if I start looking around, let me tell you what, it's right there. I don't have to act on it today. I've done a lot of yeah. work, but you get me online and I start snooping around. Oh yeah. <laughs> I get fucking weird really quick. <laughs> what is getting weird look like? The same thing where you're looking at your phone 500 times and you're like, he's really cute. Okay. Well, why is he texting me? Okay. And then you're looking at your phone 20 times. Right. It's just what we do. Some yeah. of it I just accept as being who we are. Some of it, I think, is just acceptance of who we are, for sure. I mean, I don't, I think, but one of the things that I think is missing in the recovery culture and the rehab culture is that improvement matters, right? I mean, we need to acknowledge that we are better rather than fixed. Um, And I also think that goes for drug use. I certainly think it goes for codependency. I don't know that we're ever going to get it right. I don't think... um, I don't, I, yeah, I'd rather have my balls waxed than go on a date. <laughs> I mean, I really would. I just can't. I mean, at this point, I'm 51 years old. I've been married. I had a girlfriend. I mean, I think the whole thing, but it's literally like, oh, wow. Well, how are you? Oh, well, what are your kids like? Oh, you're the whore. Oh, where'd you go to college? Like, like the whole thing is so fucking no, distasteful and miserable. It's daunting, the thought of it. But let me tell you what, all of a sudden, if, I mean, I just start, getting to where I need to look cute 24 hours a day. And I just start getting weird. I think I think I get moods, but yeah, I'd rather have my my body waxed a thousand times than try to do another relationship. Like I did the last one. I just kind of withdrawn now. Like, honestly, I'm sort of just withdrawn. I mean, I just also seem to be attracted to always like anybody who's like emotionally unavailable. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like fucking radar, you know? I mean, yeah, it was like, oh, you haven't been in a relationship and aren't interested? Challenge accepted. I'm in. Like, I will change you, you know, with my magical pussy. And it's a fucking nightmare, you know? It's I so will bad. Change we had you. so many great conversations. Yeah. About I'm going to show you how great it is to be loved and have a partner and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I think you, I think that you, I, one of the things I think is that I, I think nerds are overlooked. I think a lot of women would be happier if they would consider nerdy dudes. Who I, you I know, know, I don't see, know. That's what he said They're, to me too. I was like, um, you know what? 
sometimes they're kind of hot, but it it needs to have a little bit of edge there. I can't just. I guess, but look, I think that it's a situation of if you want longevity, like they're loyal, they earn, they care, (laughs) they they want to do all these things that women claim they want. I'm like, well, there's a lot of fucking geeky guys out there who would love to have it. Who would love to have it? I had this client at a sober living, and I was like, there is no way you you can't tell me you can't find a nice 60-year-old lady to go to the opera with you. You know, I mean, the issue was he wanted a 30-year-old lady to go to the opera with him. How old was he? Oh, 65 years right, old. Right, but went course. to everything, every show in New York, every play, like had this great life. And I was like, there's no way that you can't find an appropriate person to get on your, your boat here. Um, so I think that that's a mistake that a lot of us make is that we want, I don't know what we want. We want something else rather than a practical choice. And so, you know, it is a choice like, like me, right? I always complain about these high maintenance divas, uh, but I only marry six foot uh, models. So, <laughs> so at, some, at some point, it's like, yeah, well, I guess I'm the common denominator here, right? I guess it's me. I'm the problem. Because you don't get to have a woman who's a six-foot model who performs like an immigrant mother, right? You don't, oh my God. You, you, you don't get to have both of those things. And so my codependency is always stuck in between stations of these two very weird things. At this point, and I keep telling Amy, and she laughs, and I'm fucking serious, man. I want to be a housewife. I will cook dinner. I will coach Little League. I, I think that I would be a great housewife. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with, with changing the roles. I don't know if you've ever read Pat Allen's book or heard her speak before. What a nightmare that one is. Um, <laughs> Oh, God, like, we're so gonna get filthy, filthy <laughs> mouth at 80 plus years old but she used to talk a, about those you know that it doesn't matter which one you want to be if you work it out with your partner and you want to stay home and watch the kids and whatever yeah. the other one goes to work and then it's awesome it's yeah. just i used to be able to go outside and in 20 minutes i could get a boyfriend now in my 50s it's like wow when did you give up i'm looking at some of these guys you know? Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, you look great. And I mean, I, I'm decently preserved and it's like, it's like, I mean, I, I you know, and it's like, but I mean, not, you know, in gen- general, there's some Is guys, that if, I mean, wait, 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 Amy, if I set you up with somebody, can I use that? Can I say, well, she's decently preserved. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't look, I mean, like I have, Oh my I God, fucking how hate you. I hate you. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? No, I'm not going to be like, I, I mean, I look pretty fucking wow. young. I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. No, well, I'm just, I don't oh look God. fucking 30. I mean, like, I, you know, I mean, I get, you know. know. You know, you and I can go rock it. There is nothing yeah, wrong I mean, with I've got, got like here. a pretty, you know, I've got a pretty decent body. Yeah. I look pretty young mm-hmm. for my age for especially all the drugs I've done. Jesus Christ. But like, you know, Joe, not everyone wants a girl like Tracy or, or, or me who has like this fucking loud mouth, who's like obnoxious and like, smart yeah, and funny and aggressive lover. yeah and total love they're kind of like mm, like intense and like they're just kind of like mm. like we're a lot and not everyone want a wants a lot where i can be small because i have Me to be too. big all fucking day man i gotta rip asses all day and i just want to come home and be small in somebody's arms you know and that's not easy to find that's what all girls want that's what all the big badass girls want they want a guy who's going to be like shut the fuck up oh get yeah in the car right oh, yeah. see yeah shut yeah, the fuck he up can tell me to get shut in the, the fuck car. up all day long That's yeah fine. get in the car i'm taking you to dinner <laughs> just be quiet like i'm in control we'll be like oh yes it's fucking so hot it's like you know yeah <laughs> oh, instead of gosh. like but they don't feel like they can do that like it takes a very dominant man to put me in my place of femininity with it. i'm like okay thank you he has to be really okay with himself that's all i mean he just has to have if if i have a strong personality it doesn't mean joe can make people feel small because he's six five (laughs) look unless i'm in samoa i make everybody feel small Like oh I, <laughs> you're six five. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm six five. I'm I'm NFL lineman size. You know. Oh, um, 
which I always felt like such the, such the unattractive fat kid. And then when I moved to New York, all these models were like, holy fuck, I can wear my Manolos. You could come to the event with me. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I had no idea. I, I literally had no idea that this was any kind of like asset. Well, yeah. um, That's what they call a vagina magnet, my friend. <laughs> So, <laughs> look, I think this is a very funny conversation, but, but Tracy, so just sort of back to the idea of codependency. Like, yes. what is it? What, oh, what is the practical? So painful. Because I think that that's, I actually think that the drug use is the easier part, but the personality oh, and functioning in sure. the world post-drug use <laughs> is, is the much tougher part. And oh, certainly absolutely. that issue of wanting something from people who either can't or don't want to give it or, you know, because well, I have a I, lot I, of different parts of, of codependency. I mean, I have groups of men. I'll walk in and there's 40 or 50 guys that are in their twenties and thirties. And I talk very candidly with, with them about their codependency. There's a ton of um, guys that are avoidance. Then yeah. there's the amputators. Then there's the ones that um, will follow a girl around and make them dependent on them. And then somehow, as soon as the chase is over, then they're bored. Mm. I mean, then they're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Codependency is about the family system and where people come from. It's developed in the first maybe five or six years. And your belief system about yourself, it, it comes from the messages that you get from certain actions that happen at home. And that's a really quick way to put it, you know? So painful. Yeah. Oh my God. Tracy just <laughs> yeah. heard me sob and sob yeah. and sob. Yeah. And she's like, you don't even know this person, dude. Like you don't ever, she's like, this is not about him. Right. This is about your mom or not feeling lovable or your own stuff. And I'm like, okay. And that takes some of the charge away from it, but it's like, it's really been something I've relapsed over and it's extraordinarily painful. And now yeah. I, do you, you know, do you think that most people relapse over this issue over relationships or not getting what they want from either, you know, from a partner or even from friendships? Because I feel like in my career, you know, I feel like this is the thing that will send people out quicker than anything. And I mean, especially with young guys who get their heart stepped on and they believe that they're not going to find another girlfriend because they're not drinking anymore. Like where would they even find one? I tell them go to, here's what you do. <laughs> you go to William Sonoma <laughs> on a weekend and you find all the lonely desperate girls who are there to buy uh, bridal shower gifts and you prey on them. Oh. That's so fucked up. Wow. <laughs> you know what? I go to Home so Depot. Okay. I go to Home Depot and I wander around looking for tool belts and shit all the time. But you so, go to Home Depot? Yes. Or, I know where they are. Here's the other thing I, I tell them. Is that, here's the other thing I tell them. Go Joe. to Soul Cycle. Soul Cycle. Oh, right. I, I'm kidding, Amy. I'm not telling them to pray. I'm, I'm just saying yeah, be in a pool. Soul Cycle and all the girls with daddy issues, like oh, fucking look at gosh. him with big hearts in his eyes as he like wrings his sweaty shirt out. <laughs> it is like a, a pool of like a gallon of water dropped. <laughs> what I'm saying is so what I'm sweaty. trying to tell. It's it's really gross. It's actually really <laughs> disgusting. But what I'm trying to say is go to, you don't have to go to bars. You don't have to relapse. You can find other places like SoulCycle, like the mall. Like, you know, there are other the ways to, to meet people, to meet your, your next girlfriend who's going to be more appropriate. Do they even do meetups anymore? Remember they used to do those meetups? I don't know. I'd rather be kicked in the teeth than go to a meetup. <laughs> I, I guess. Well, I, yeah, I, I've never been to one either. It wouldn't be my thing to go hiking with a bunch of. Uh, oh my god! A great housewife. I mean, he like makes handmade pasta and shit. How I do? He how, makes like wow. mini pies and stuff. I'm like, marry me. I need a That's housewife. Awesome. But he's waiting for me to make money. Fucking gold yeah. digger. <laughs> sell your fucking show and then, because I, then we'll fucking move into your well, mansion. But I mean, the thing with it is, is that it's like, I'm actually, I'm not, a, my, I'm a simple dude. I'm very cheap, right? All, you know, I need some size 14 vans and, uh, you know, that's such about a, it. I'm such a bragger, right, Tracy? That's it. Just vans? 
That's all. Well, I'm not going to ask for a Mercedes or well, vacations. Well, yeah, I, I don't give a fuck about yeah, anything like, like that. Size 14. He wants to make sure everyone would know he wears size fucking 14. That's you're yeah, you're a big dude. That's a big dude. <laughs> That's a big fucking dude. I don't yeah. know. We're out of time. This has been so much fun. You but know um, what? Tracy, I had so much fun with you guys. I really, really needed this. Nice Tracy, I, I love, I love the work that you do. I feel like there's not time for for a lot of pussyfooting around when no. people are in treatment. No. You know, they're not there for six months. They're not even there for six weeks. Like you got to get out the brass tacks right away. And so I think that you have a big, big, big value add for sure. Where can people find you or can, or should they not? You can reach me. I have a phone number for that. It's um, 949-689-2216. And I'm uh, at Dunn Tracy 865 at Yahoo. You're fucking awesome. I love you. Take care. Take care.